is the beginning right now. Okay, good. So much for grand entrances. I am so happy to get to know you this way, raw and authentic. And this is the first time we've spoke. Here we are on camera. Hello. So blessed to see you, Rati. Very good. Yes, Rati Gorfin. Gorfin. I tell people just squeeze your butt cheeks on the second syllable. And then you Rati. How do you know I wasn't already squeezing them? You've got a point. Yes. I saw your film, by the way. Oh, no. I don't know. I might have, it might have been bootleg or something, because I know you have a paywall, but I think I saw it, perhaps, or a promotional version of it. So there's, yeah, it's been out there forever. On my website now, it's behind a paywall, but that's only because we got kicked off of all the other platforms. Oh, I lucked out. Not because of that film, ironically. That film should have had me banned from the United States. But no, it was was telling the truth about issues is why I got kicked off. So now the film's behind a paywall. Well, I found it compelling and very interesting and I love the inner voice. It pulled me, it really did. Just trying to fill that void, man. I sure did. I loved it. Oh, you got it. You like, you totally got the whole point because we didn't tell anybody like what that was. That was my brain. Yes. <laughs> wow. I, that, first of all, thank you for the feedback. Okay. That was not an enjoyable process. The book was actually even more challenging, but mm. thank you for that. But th- this is about you. Oh, I am, I'm so glad. And listen, I'll let you talk about me all you want, but let's do that on your show. <laughs> Oh, all right. Yeah, I but, used to do podcasts, but it's work. I know. That's why I like to be a guest. It, it is fun. I actually really enjoy hosting because I like meeting people like you and especially meeting in this way where like people think I'm kidding when I say I don't read up on people before the guest. I just my spirit lights up when I see them or I see an email or whatever. Then I'm like, OK, yes. And then I don't want to pre-interview. I don't want to do any of those things because the show is called A Conversation with Josh Quincy Burgle. So I just want to get to know you through a conversation. But the one thing that we talked about before I hit record, we're talking about ADHD and working with creatives and all of that. So I'm excited to go down this road because I do know something about this. But before we do that, can you tell me, what are you grateful for today and why? Oh, what am I grateful for today and why? Top of my head, my son is off to his job. And like many class of 2020 kids after the pandemic, it hasn't been easy for him. But he, he's got himself a regular gig. He gets up and he goes to it. And regardless of whatever issues we may have living with a young adult, a lot of kids don't have that much going on. And so... Sure. I am very grateful for that. And it's, if he hears me, he's gonna probably thinking, God, it's nobody's business and shut up, mom. But that's the honest truth of what I was feeling great for in this moment. I had, I did an interview about an hour before this one. Yeah. And in that interview, I heard someone express gratitude for their children for the first time in 500 broadcasts or so that I've done. Wow. And that was the first time and now literally an hour later, you're the second. And I t- I wanna add to this though, to make it even more unique. And I'm very interested to see what this says for you or if it brings up anything. But the word for the day that I heard was synergy. And so 
I kid you, not only that synergy, but then I've heard synergy now four times and or experienced it four times in four different ways. That was the word for the day. So this has happened, great gratitude for the kids. And then something that reminded me of synergy at least four different times already. It's just, it's crazy. There's something happening right now in the universe, in the world, that for all the crazy that's going on, there's some type of synergistic activity or force that is aligning people. And it's really neat to see because I'm meeting people from all parts of the world that are aligned with me in ways that I've never seen before. Are you experiencing any weird synergies right now? Not today, I, but over the last yes, I do all the time. And I, I think that we're tuned into that. It's, that's just, the, to me, it's the nature of the law of attraction. What you pay attention to grows. If you decide you're going to see synergy, you decide you're going to see green cars, green cars all over the place. Too. But I also think that there are uncanny serendipities that cannot be explained. And somebody came up with a word that smashed. What did you call it again? What was the word you just used? Synchronies. Synergy. synergy and synchronicity together. Oh, synchronicity, was, yeah. Yeah, it was something like syn synchronicity or something. He put the two words together. And that's, I think, what I experience a lot. And it restores my faith on a daily basis. Because if I can't anecdotally experience that myself, I think I would lose hope. I know that I'm moving in the right direction and there's more than meets the eye here because it's always reinforced by some beautiful piece of serendipity, synchronicity. And that keeps me going. I like that. Yeah, I like those reminders from, I call him God. Yeah. Yeah, God, I don't know. I don't know the gender. I just know it's a great, amazing, powerful force and spirit. And it's yeah. beautiful. So I don't care if it's an old man or it's a woman or it's both. I don't need any of that. I just know that there is something far greater than me out there. But at the same time, I fully recognize that great force is also inside of me as it is as it's inside of you and but the, it's true so i gotta i gotta share this with you and let you do with it whatever you want so i've been a what i would call a follower of jesus for the last six seven years one of the things that i really wrestled with was the part that god was also christ was with within me as well yeah. And, but the way that I acted and the way that I was going about my faith walk was everything was God and was external. Everything was outside of me. Yes, I get that from the movie, yeah. And now there's I, now that I'm starting to recognize the God inside of me, and I'm not saying of God, but the God inside of me, the Christ inside of me, and the way that I'm starting to operate and just live my life has radically changed from that standpoint alone because I'm starting to really focus more on how I'm treating myself and then also how I'm treating others. But at the same time, what you just said to me really buys the whole thing to really recognize that how much we still need God. Like I know that 
we are gods or to a degree or have God inside of us, whatever it is, I don't know the exact specifics of it. It doesn't matter either. But that part of still needing a creator, a force and an energy to work through us and to work through other people to remind us why we're here, we're on the right path, we're not on the right path and so on. So I love that and those synchronicities are really do remind us that we're right on the right path and we're right where we're supposed to be, whatever that looks like. It's such a, it's almost like a hug from God. You mm -hmm. would experience that, would you agree? The way to, to put it, yeah. I think it's when you live from the part of you that doesn't die, mm. you get to experience that all the time. That's profound. I've never heard that. Say that one more time. It's when, when you live from the part of you that never dies, you get to experience that all the time. Which is not to say I'm always living from that part of myself, but I make a practice as best I can to be in, to get in touch with it first thing in the day. Yeah. Yeah, if I don't start my day sinking, I'm in trouble. You gotta get <laughs> sync up with that part of you. Oh, that's, I love that. So I wanna also, I wanna go back to your son for a second, because I don't know if he wants us to talk about him or not, but that generation, I gotta tell you, I have a huge heart for them because that generation, I'm 43, but what I recognize that generation has seen growing up, wow. I would imagine that it would be very challenging for some of them to have hope and believe in a greater world, a better world and so forth because of what they've faced. It's just been like a nonstop trauma for them. How is he navigating things? Is he is his spirit still strong? Is he of hope? What, what's that? If you don't mind sharing. He's uh, the phrase "his own man" comes to mind. It's He's his own man, he, which is good. Yeah. Uh, I don't think he's into all the woo-woo stuff. Mom is into, and right now I think he does take refuge in a lot of the behaviors that I would consider anesthesia. It's easy to take refuge and comfort in gaming or oh, yeah. drinks and all of that. And all I can do right now is hold space. <laughs> and what I have to be careful of, I was listening to a psychologist this morning talking about this. Permissive parents are actually very controlling in that we can, we have to be careful not to use how we feel as a way of manipulating. Oh my gosh. And sharing our feelings. If you're this way, then I feel good and I'm proud of you. If you're not, then you're, I'm worried about you and I know this isn't gonna be. That's a form of control. And it is. I, and it doesn't help. That's not the right way to set boundaries. <laughs> no, that, oh my gosh. It's, I'm amazed how sometimes these conversations help re, no, reframe, not reshape, but reframe a situation to look at it through a different lens that I could not have looked at it before. Man, that's cool. Sorry, I know, I don't, okay. but there's no context in what I just said, but you just, 
talking about God, speaking to people to give you information. And honoring their journey. That's, I think, what letting go of emotional manipulation is about, too, and having being internally boundaried enough to honor their journey and not, not make them wrong and responsible for my reaction to them as stimulus. I need to sit down. I don't have a chair. <laughs> Oh, lean on the globe. No, that's the moon, so, isn't it? I'm learning how to be a dad. I'm oh. 43. And it's not that I don't have a bunch of kids, because I do have a bunch of kids, but I was wow. a junkie dad, which you saw the movie. Now I'm not that. Now I'm like a proud father and love my kids. and But I'm also still learning a lot. Okay? So it's Like, what you just said helped me hear something my wife was trying to tell me. And dad what did goes, she say? when she's right, it just, yeah. What did she, how did she put it? What did she say? I don't even want to go into the story right. now. Yeah. It is, it, it's not about that. It just, it would take so long to set up the context and, but just, no, I'll go into it. I'll go into it. Good. So I'm. I can take a sip of my coffee concoction while you're going into it. Okay. So we are all about like, when we have the kids, it's all about them, especially on the weekends. And we honor the Sabbath together. And like, it's all about family and fun and everything else. And so we don't really get them in trouble. We give them a very long leash. The biggest thing for us is teaching trust and honesty. To be, they, I don't want them to ever fear speaking the truth. So when you give a kid permission to speak the truth, sometimes you hear some things you don't want to hear. That said, we also try to teach gratitude and being grateful. And then also, if we say something, then, you know, please listen to that, respect what we say. And, but we're also not like authoritative or dictators either. We give them a long rope. So anyway, long story short, after our family dinner, we went to got Froyo and we're sitting at the table and you know, they're farting around the kids, they're having fun. And my wife had told them like four different times, okay, we're getting ready to leave. So you need to hurry up and eat. And you need to hurry up and eat hurry up and eat and then but they would get up and start dancing and look really having a good time but i'm sick i'm not feeling well like i'm hanging in there the best that i can and then finally it's time to go literally time to go and they start throwing a massive fit almost like what a great fit it was awful in public of all things but then it was just like nothing ruffles my feathers more than that kind of thing, where the ungratefulness, throwing a bit, no, I'm not gonna do it. Nick, just the tantrum, can't stand it. Like it just, for some reason, it just makes everything in my body hurt. No. So anyway, I'm like calm and I'm like waiting, I'm like, this is annoying, and I'm letting my wife handle it until I didn't let her handle it. And then I jumped in, because nothing was happening. So I got upset about it. And I wanted it to, I wanted the whole place to know that I was upset and I was not going to tolerate this. Yeah. I didn't yell, but my voice, I'm a big guy. It just, but I wanted to make an impact. Needless to say, I was wrong in the way about it. And uh, so anyway, but my wife, like it just in the discussions about how handling it and some miscommunication there. And there was a massive disconnect on what she was trying to tell me and what I was hearing and what she wasn't hearing, what I was saying, blah, blah, blah. So anyway, all it really was that she was trying to stress to me is that, yeah, what they did was wrong, but by you coming in and basically barking to get their attention, 
the example, the point or the ability to make the example or to the teachable moment was thrown out the window when I got angry. Okay. So I wanted, so my, I purposefully tried to make that get their attention because being nice wasn't working. Mm -hmm. So I decided I'm going to be disruptive because if no one's listening to me, I disrupt. That's what I do. I'm oh, it's funny. You think I, learned well, I have a very good friend I think you'd love as a guest, and her name is Lauren Astor. Her company is Happy Parent, Happy Child. And she's actually a very dear friend, and I consider her my parent in Sherpa. And she said something to me once that has stood me in good stead. And what she said was, the larger the infraction, the smaller your reaction. The worse the behavior, the calmer you need to be. This is not to say you have no boundaries, but like you say, it seemed like the choice was chaos or you had to become even more disruptive. And of course, you're not going to win that power struggle. I've lost for two days now. You're not gonna. No, that's right. It doesn't mean that you can't have boundaries. It doesn't mean that how old your kids are. And I'm not six saying. Six and seven. Yeah, six and seven. It doesn't mean, and of course, you got to be on the same page with your partner, of course. But it doesn't mean that you can't be firm and we're going to go here so you can have these big feelings. You can, we're, I'm going to take, we're taking you out of this space. It doesn't mean that there can't be boundaries, but I think sometimes, and this is something I know I struggle with. I felt guilty about asserting boundaries at times. And even though they say shame is feeling, is feeling bad about yourself. Guilt is feeling bad about something you did. Guilt isn't a reliable barometer. Wow. You know, it's not reliable. Yeah, you might feel guilty and you might have to put up with feeling guilty, but you still have to put the boundary down and say, public, we're not doing restaurant voices, we're leaving. We're going outside. And you don't have to raise your restaurant voice, but everybody's gotta go. Yeah, out. What do, you, what do you do, though, when they, in that setting? Yeah. Because you don't know. Public settings are tough. I, I my see. my father would yeah. have choked me and beat the shit out of me. Oh, no, not that, that far behind me. There would have been the board, the belts, yeah. everything lined up when I got home, and I would have been, there's, I can't even begin to tell you. Yeah. Obviously, I know that that's wrong, and I don't believe in spanking now, but if you're being nice, honey, we gave you warnings, honey, honey, okay. Calm down, they go, oh, that's not nice. And then eventually they're, they're just ignoring you. And so then they go, ah, I'm not gonna do it. And then it's not easy to physically as, but you can't do it when they get older. That's for sure. Yeah. I, if it were me in a situation, it could be quite getting, you can still, I think, I'm just, what's coming to my mind is a meltdown my son had in a supermarket. And I'm trying to remember how it resolved because I was starting to lose my shit. <laughs> uh, I can say that. And I'm not, I'm trying to remember how it resolved, but I may have physically picked him up and carried him outside. 
and let him have it out. 10 degrees in Minnesota. Yeah, that's a good incentive. That probably would have been a good idea. 10 degrees, we're going outside for the 10 degrees. It's like you can't, uh, they feel cold differently. I don't know, like uh, if you try to make a kid wear a coat. That's true. And then instead you just bring the coat with you because they're going to get cold. Yeah. And they're going to say, Mom, can I have a coat? So teaching them a lesson doesn't actually work. Okay, we'll just leave it here. And then they're freezing and then you got to go home because... What's tricky is having consequences that don't also punish you. That's real tricky, isn't See, it? See, that's wisdom right there. I don't have that. That's the challenge. God knows. And I, and the thing is, we all, we, God, we all screw up so much. That's why you should have Lauren on. She's fantastic. If we want to talk about, uh, we want to talk about raising kids since that seems to be synchronous right now. And I'm not surprised it is because it had, it, you just had this experience. It's living in you. It's, it's hurting you. Yeah. So Sucks. Yeah. I don't like it because I love them so much. And yeah. and the thing is that I know that they're grateful kids. Like they're, they don't ask for stuff every two minutes. That's not their thing. They're fun, they're creatives, like their mother and I, we have the best time. And I understand when you don't want the good time to end. I think I probably throw a fit too. <laughs> I don't like the party to end. I don't know what she was doing, your wife. I don't I have an idea. But what I'm wondering what it would have been like to just, they're going nuts or whatever, getting down into their little space and saying, boy, you're having a good time. Validating where they're at, you're having a good time. Unfortunately, this good time, we have to take it elsewhere. It's gotta end here. Even though this is so much fun, we have to end this and move out and move away. No, I don't want to. Yeah, I know you don't want to. We're doing it anyway. Validating. Validating. Yeah. It's about so easy to want to control instead of validate and suppress the feeling instead of validate. You wow. know. Okay. But validating doesn't mean people get to do what the fuck they want. Right. Absolutely. I understand that. Yeah. But it, I okay. And see, that was in my argument. Yeah. Was that I wanted. Like I wasn't backed up because I escalate. I only escalated after nothing was happening. Like I didn't, wasn't getting support. But it was going. Yeah. So then I got that. That then all of a sudden my immaturity mm. kicked in, and my not being heard and not feeling valued and validated and all that stuff. Yeah. So then I turned into a two-year-old too. That's pretty much what happened. It sounds yeah. It sounds like <laughs> it's exactly what happened. You guys have a conversation. You and your wife have a conversation. This is like delicious because <laughs> you've got so much to unpack here in terms of the lessons and the gift and opportunity in terms of being on the being partners in parenting. That this is. We're ninety eight percent of the time badass parents together. I bet. I bet. But this is what is it? This is you go into the gym and you can bench press maybe two hundred pounds. But in this instance, somebody threw a 350 pound weight and you guys just dropped, couldn't lift it. That's what this situation was, it sounds. And it's, so it's so rich with opportunity in terms of debriefing what happened, right? There, there's work that I do with clients. And a little segue into what I do. As a coach, I work with creatives with ADHD who have a hard time following through and finishing things because they can't distinguish how they feel from what they want. 
you know, how I don't feel like it always rules the day. And, that, and how you feel is not necessarily what you want. You might feel like doing what you need to do to get what you want. But if you can keep it in your sights, it gives you the anti-fragility to move through not feeling like it. So concurrent with my individual coaching with people, I take people through a training, and you could put this in your notes, called positive intelligence. Positive intelligence is a methodology created by a guy named Shirzad Shamim. I can email all this to you. And he basically, he's a Stanford guy. He has a great web. Hello? Okay, so I was talking about... Welcome back. Yes, yeah, sorry, sorry about that. Positive intelligence, and you've got your the sage and the saboteur. All this is broken down on the website, but we all have different saboteurs. Some of us are controllers. Some of us are restless. Some of us are avoidant. Some of us hypervigilant, meaning we, we think we can fix things by worrying in advance about them, right? Uh, there's an assessment I have people take to see what their tendencies are. But the whole technique has to do with calming down the saboteur so you can access that prefrontal cortex, the executive function, the part of the brain people with neurodiversity have trouble with. But I think it's also where God comes through because these techniques are really little mini meditations. They're little mindfulness bringing yourself into the present when you get hijacked exercises. And so if it, I could work with somebody and we can make a beautiful strategy, but if what they do is determined by how they feel, they're probably not gonna follow through on it. I'm not even sure how we came around to talking about this, but it, it, it has to do with what you want, what you want for your kids, and then getting out of that two-year-old space because we also trigger each other, right? Yeah. Your kids are acting out of their saboteurs. They're acting out of their restless saboteur, which triggers whatever yours are. Maybe you have the same one, or maybe you have controller in this oh, methodology. Yeah, it's called saboteur contagion in this methodology. You can't try to fix a problem with the same thing that created it, of course. And if, you know, your kids are not in a centered place, which they're not going to be a lot of the time, you're not going to fix it by losing your shit. That's true. <laughs> I didn't it's fix anything. Problem. I made it worse. But then again, you've got to get it. But that's such great awareness because then... And I'm sure you have a lot of tools and you've done a lot of work. But what I love about this positive intelligence that uh, that I take people through in my practice is it is so immediate and hands-on. It is, okay, I'm hijacked right now. I've got to pull way back. There are little exercises like rubbing your fingertips together so that you can feel the ridges in both fingers. If you do that for a few minutes, you're gonna calm down. 
you're not going to be get you're not going to be creating more thoughts that get you more upset it's going to bring you into your body that's it i just because of i was diagnosed with the you know which disassociative identity disorder yeah. so jumping out of my body is like what? pretty easy see it but i've got i've healed i've done the work to mm -hmm. heal and i don't have it happen haven't had it happen in a long time doesn't mean i I still get pissed off, but I'm not switching when it happens, which is, thank God for that. But yeah, that getting out of my body is mm -hmm. terrifying for me because then I'm, it's almost, it feels, I'm aware enough to recognize that it, I'm no different than an out of control drunk driver when I'm not in my body and I have no control over what's about to happen is what it feels like. It feels I'm detached yeah. like that and I hate it because they, there's a part that that disconnect is one thing, but it's even being aware, sometimes it's really hard to want to go back in. Even though I don't like the disconnect, it takes something. I haven't really put my finger on what it is, but I have to be aware enough to want to go back in. Because I, back in the day, would be gone for months at a time sometimes, mm. which is most of the context of the book. This one's gone. But yeah. even now, like, it's hard for me to want to go back in and I've never understood why. It's like, I get there and then I'm just comfortable being outside of it. Even though I hate it, I'm comfortable. Do you know what that is? So you're, um, I just want to make sure I understand. You, you disassociate in some way. I'm not a therapist. I'm wondering. I don't the trust therapists anyway. So. Oh, well, <laughs> you get the right one. Don't knock them. But you got to get the right one. You're talking to somebody who turned her life around through 15 years of psychoanalysis. So I'm pro therapy, but you, but it's got to be, you don't just take the first one. I interviewed five. Wow. But I was at a point where I was in suicidal ideation, the whole thing, and I had a two year old. So. I, I had to get my shit together. Not for me. It's so great when you have somebody to live for. Sometimes that's what you need because nothing else is going to do it to get you. To, you have kids. You've got something to live for. You've got to get this shit together, right? You can't afford it. Even if you don't feel like it, you got to come back in. That's how, what a blessing people needing each other is. When you lose touch with that, then that's a real state of loss. But I, nobody wants to feel all those feelings that happen when you come back in probably shame, boredom, who knows? I'm actually, I have a book coming out in the summer called The Five Emotions That Stop Success. And if you get really hijacked by those emotions, it's a problem. I think we are describing like really severe, I don't, for lack of a better word, amygdala hijacking. When you are nowhere near even wanting Oh, I know I should wait. I should walk away from the keyboard and wait an hour before I reply to this email. But fuck it, I don't care because they deserve it. Yeah. I go right in. I know. Right, yeah, I know. I know. I should go step away. Oh, fuck, I don't want to. It's so powerful. Those saboteurs have been running us all our lives. It's so powerful. Why would you want to? Especially, it sounds like you come out of a lot of trauma. I'm not a shrink again, but I recognize trauma. I've had clients who were torture survivors, so I get it. And you think it's uh, it's all right? It, but the thing is, I imagine you have some practices you do 
the thing is that it's like building up a muscle wanting to stay in that centered sane connected to the immortal part of your place it it takes practice yeah and so it's almost he the analogy we use in positive intelligence is <clears throat> is your sage muscle your prefront it's a mu it's a battery and you want to get that battery nice and charged up first thing in the morning if you can because then you know you might get saboteur you might your saboteurs may act up but if your battery's up here you're not going to get hijacked more than a little bit but if your battery's drained and you haven't stoked it with prayer or meditation or whatever you do, then the saboteur hijackings are way overpowering That's your true. ability to get in touch with your wisdom. If I don't do my morning routine every That's single right. day, I will That's move. Right. Uh, I'm, but I do it. I yeah. do it today. And it's interesting that you say that because it was the end of the day. I was already sick and I just wanted to go home. Or I'm not sick, but I just head cold. My energy was bad and yeah. needed to go home and lay down. Yeah. So I was already like teetering to that place where I just was, my battery was gone. Like I didn't have in my, I didn't have anything to keep myself. Well, you're a dangerous place. <laughs> For me, it is. If I recognize that I'm getting tired, this is why like, for I'm so blessed to get to do what I do and, and work with the people I get to work with because they're like me. I like being able to control my environment to some degree in the sense that if it's time for me to go and be away from people, I can go. That's how I take care of myself, which is also yeah. protecting others because yeah. I don't trust myself after I'm tired. If my brain shot, I don't need to be talking on the phone. I don't need to push through. I don't need to even rise and grind. That's not good for me. Like that concept for me, just send me straight to hell because that's where I'm gonna go. If I we are of the same tribe. We are of the same, <laughs> right? I always say I'm an entrepreneur because I have no choice. It wouldn't be good for anybody to have a job for me to be working for their company, to be yes. in a job. It just, it wouldn't be good. I've tried it. it. It's not good for anybody. So even though it'd be nice to know, okay, I've got a 401k and I'm going to retire and everything. And I've got to figure out how I'm going to make my income. And it's work being an entrepreneur. In a way, it's a choiceless choice. Because how else can we have a day where I don't take appointments before 11? And if I'm tired, I can lie down and rest. Who was it? There, there's a wonderful integrative physician, a woman, and she's well known. And I hate these moments of aphasia that seem to come more often as you get older. But she says that resting when you're tired is revolutionary. I would go so far as to say it's a subversive act. Rest when you're tired is going against the cultural grain, right? To say, no, I've got to pause and step off. And that is just, some cultures, they have it built in. I walked into a Japanese restaurant up the street at four in the afternoon one day. It was hilarious. Everybody was lying down. They had benches around the restaurant. All the workers were napping. It was so beautiful. But you wouldn't, I couldn't believe that, but you wouldn't see that. And most of the time they don't have sleep pods in offices. Maybe that's changed, but yeah, I agree with you. You're, you're in danger if you're tired and not feeling well. 
you could ruin your life in a matter of minutes. I have. <laughs> I hear you. Oh, I have. I have. It's, but I had, to, but I also had to learn that it was okay to set those boundaries for myself. Oh, I've been able to heal as much as I have. Yeah. By setting those boundaries for myself and really other people. I will never, I admit, I will make it known. I'm not picking up my phone. If you call me and it's not a scheduled call, I'm not going to pick it up. And the main reason is, other than I, I want to be able to focus, yeah. is that if I'm not in the right mindset, I'm not somebody you want to talk to. <laughs> I'm just not. I'm, I'm, I recognize that about myself, but that's just being real. So I right. get to do that. But I also, I work my butt off. I work more than most people with jobs, but I also set those parameters for myself. And I protect myself when I'm not feeling well, most of the time. It's different when I'm with family because, you know, that's different. <laughs> you don't get a break then, which is also. But I really love that we had that conversation. That's neat. So when, why are you waiting till the summer to release your book? Is it not done? Because it's being published. Rutledge is the publisher and they have to, it's in production and I'm gonna be wrangling with the people designing the cover and probably the copy editor and they may come across something that they think I need to get permission to include. It's not like self-publishing. I think there's more leeway there, but I'm very grateful because this means that I have someone who's with skin in the game there. Yeah. They want to market my book and get it out there and help me. But it, it was the hardest thing I've ever done. I've never, huh. it's an academic press and I have a bachelor of fine arts. I'm not an academic writer, right? There's so much involved in getting that book deal that it was like going to college, just writing the thing. Yeah. I'm very excited about it. The five emotions just, because I don't think I got to lay them Yeah, I want to ask, I was going to ask what those are, so great. Uh, my, so what I've boiled that down to my own life and my work with clients is the five emotions are shame, grandiosity, envy, boredom, and fear. And shame is the root of pretty much the other four, but they're all primary colors. Yeah. In my mind, right underneath. Why you the, rage? I think that's an inversion of shame, and that's also fear. You're you're back in the corner. Rage is fight or flight. That's fear. When I'm sad, I get angry, which I've never. I don't understand why. It's that's the strangest thing. That when I immediately when I want to cry, I just immediately get mad. I'm learning to cry now. Yeah. But yeah. usually when it happens, it just happens. Like I don't. I'm not thinking of it. It just happens. But if I well, what happened when you you know in this at some point it was more dangerous to cry than to get mad. It seems to me you must have made a decision at some point, or you're wired in some way. Who knows? Maybe it's maybe it's another life. But somehow, and I know with men too, particularly we're still we're just starting to get out of this. Big boys don't cry. Yeah. Getting mad? That's okay. But it's not because I've been no, saying, "Hey, let kids this." Ain't no, it, like that is it's not served me well at all. No, no, no. I'd be better off. We, I would be better off crying. Actually, what the, what is really I don't know if this is a paradoxical thing or not, but I think I'm very sensitive. I am a sensitive person, but I express it through anger, which is so. I get to work on that. I'm, I've been working on it. 
but I haven't mastered it by any means. I'm war I'm doing so I'm a very excitable guy. So like when I'm happy, I'm it's just like a two-year-old, no, not a two-year-old, a six-year-old at Christmas. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So anyway, I it's just read your thing. So I'm like a two-year-old at a six-year-old at Christmas. I'm very excitable. But the flip side of that is my other emotions come out the same with the same intensity. So I'm working on coming back to central or center where I'm not as excitable either way. Yes. Do you have any tips on how to do that? Um, so in other words, to I'm not sure if you're talking about just bringing down to modulate, you mean? Yeah, maybe that's the best way to describe it. In terms of your affect and how, and the impact it has on other, in terms of what you present. Or just not even kill, because I'm kill. a man of extremes. Yeah. Extreme high. You're extreme passionate. High. You're passionate. Yeah. And that's Very what, passionate. Are you, you keep meditating, right? Yeah. Keep meditating. Also, other people let us know, right? So it's a matter of being sensitive to social cues also. Which you, can kind of, you can kind of see when somebody's starting to go, oh, okay, that's great. Okay. <laughs> I didn't see when people are starting to shrink in your presence. And then kind of just, and no need to apologize. Who knows? Maybe they're just really fragile. You don't know. But if you see that, that's a cue. It could be a cue to just lower the energy a little bit. Bring yourself into their space a little bit, possibly. That's what came to me just now. I like that a lot. Why don't you tell the audience where they can follow you, support your journey, and then buy your book when it comes out? Yeah, pretty much. I guess you could just go to creativecallingcoaching.com. That's one word, creativecallingcoaching.com. And you'll be able to write to me through there. You can download my free gift through there. And you can, which is about decision-making because a lot of people have a hard time making decisions when they have ADHD. Yeah. I break that down and that's probably best. You can follow me on my socials. So just creativecallingcoaching.com. And if you're on my newsletter by getting the free gift, then I will definitely let you know when I'm when the book is dropping. Thank you so much for being here. I wish you the best with the book. It sounds amazing. And I uh, just really enjoyed this conversation. I didn't, I didn't know what to expect, but it was great. We'll have to do it again. Yeah, for sure. I love that. Come back when the book's ready too. You're welcome. Oh, I love that. Yes, yeah. definitely. Absolutely. All right. Bless you. Thank you for being here. And I'll see you. Take care. Bye-bye.